Hello and welcome to Colette and Matt have entered the chat. This is a weekly casual conversation about the most important topic in the history of human civilization. That's right. Say it with me. Video games. I am here with the one, the only, the the author, the Twitch streamer, the games journalist, Colette Bennett. Colette, who are you? How are you? What are you, what are you doing? What's going um, on? I'm great. I can't believe I'm on a podcast again. I think it's been 10 plus years. <laughs> you have no, you have done no podcasting since the olden days. No, no, not since Retroforce Go. I, I, I think I've like showed up on a few people's podcasts as a guest, but never like a podcast that has like my name in it. I'm just, I'm tickled. <laughs> <laughs> tell us, oh, uh, my, my name is Matt Silverman, but we're going to get to that in a second. Uh, Colette, tell us who you are. Tell me who you are. Cause we've never met. Uh, we just got connected through, through zoom here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Right. I just bumped into you. Um, well, uh, let's see. For my story, um, I like to tell people that I pretty much um, clawed my way into the world of games journalism uh, as a gonzo journalist. And what I mean by that is that one day I was like, I really, really want to write for Kotaku. And so I emailed them and I made a blog and I was like, hi, I would like you to hire me. And they were like, hello, here's $250. Go write a story. And that's and, how it works. That is uh -huh. how media works. You just uh -huh. email, say, I want it. And then they will give it to you. That's yeah, I, been I, my experience. I literally went on my live journal and was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> okay. Wait, like, you... You said that you said the beautiful words live journal, but I also want to I want to put a date stamp on this. What year are we talking here? We are talking about the year 2007. And okay. I had a really boring job that I hated. And <laughs> I pretty much just would like get off work and like go right in my gaming blog. And I I had nerdy friends and I talked about games with them, but it wasn't the same. I just had this like mm -hmm. burning desire to write about video games. And also, there were so few female voices in the world about video games. Back then, holy I, cow. I think I might have known three, and they were just, like, people I, like, you know. <laughs> well, back then, standing didn't exist, but I stand mm -hmm. them on Twitter before standing <laughs> was a thing. <laughs> Twitter, though. When's Twitter? Twitter was when's so Twitter? different. So yeah. different. But and Twitter I, was, 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 was on the scene? 2007? Twitter That's... was on the scene, believe it or not. And it yeah. was very, very early, and being on it at that time period was, like to do but it, it yes. wasn't like it is now it i hate to sound like an indie hipster but it was like really cool because it was a lot smaller yes that's exactly that's exactly what it was yeah. my wife is a is an actual trained journalist went to school to do it and i remember vividly we were riding home on the train together from new york city and she was like it was part of her job to get other journalists like trained and figured out what this whole Twitter thing was. Cause back ah, then it was like, it was I like, Hey, it. like this could be a tool for journalists. Well, we're going to check it out. Right. And she explained what Twitter was to me on the train. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to, I have to do this. I have to figure yeah. it out. And yep. early Twitter for me was like joke Twitter. Mm -hmm. And it was a really truly lovely small community of oh, it was uh, you know i followed 50 people they followed me back and we yep. were in a constant hangout together oh my uh, gosh that public. sounds so nice and i lovely. i relate because for me gaming was very much the same you know i i uh, you know, I start asking for jobs and people start paying me to write about video games and i'm like what the hell is happening and then so you i ended got up the 
You got that, the Kotaku gig, like I a freelance did, I gig. I did. I freelanced for them for a little while. And what did then you it was write? Around what that... was your first uh, thing? They said, I want to write this. They said, here's, here's the cash to submit your draft. What Do you remember what that was? I sure do. And I don't think it exists <laughs> anymore online, sadly. Uh... But um, it was a covering a uh, video game uh, concert. And it was a band called The Megas, who I wouldn't be surprised if they're not still together today. Hmm. And yeah, I just went to this concert and just lost my shit completely over the fact that i was like getting paid to do this and that's pretty much how my entire career started a live in-person concert what's the Mm -hmm. video game connection i've never heard of this group the megas uh are a mega man cover group (laughs) and they are or were i should say i don't want to assume that they're still around they may be but they were one of a whole circle of uh, amazing video game bands that showed up at a wonderful um, conference that happened every year for quite some time called MAGFest. And okay. I just kind of fell into that and fell into like learning about all these nerds that were making video game music and making their own games. And it just, Matt, it felt like heaven. Spectacular. And I love I'm a big fan of the internet video game cover remix culture. And I am, of course, how could I not assume that there are live groups doing it too? But this is the first I'm really hearing of this scene. And you were mentioning, oh, maybe they're still around, maybe they're not. And pandemic aside, mm-hmm. it, it is the video game live performance music scene a, still a thing? Or has it mostly u- moved to the YouTubes and band camps? No, it's still very much a thing. Um, uh, MAGFest is the heart of it, although that is a long story and I'm not going to tell it on this podcast (laughs) because that has changed a little bit, but a huge, I mean, Overclocked Remix is kind of like the center of that community and it is just, oh my God, it is the most amazing community. But a lot of those people either have gone to Twitch or new people have gone to Twitch and founded their communities there. So for instance, I listened to a stream that I was actually listening to before I came to do the podcast tonight um, of a streamer, musician, gamer, whose name is Orchestra Music. And actually we could put him in the show notes uh, if we'd like, but he is Is absolutely incredible. Is he the piano guy? Yep. So I was uh, grabbing your Twitch link to put in to put it somewhere on the website show notes, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. And I think you were forgive me, I'm not a I don't I love Twitch. I'm there often, but I don't know the proper terminology. Were you hosting his channel? Uh, I do. You are not his live. Channel? You were yeah, not no. live. Therefore, if I go to your page, there's either nothing going on, or you're hosting someone else's channel. And I saw him, and I was like, wow, this guy. He's so talented. But I mean, this is the thing. It's like, it's not just him. There's just this massive community, you know, of, of incredibly talented, you know, everything from, you know, video game artists to, uh, you know, musicians to, I mean, you name it, like it's, it's there. And I, to be, to me, the same excitement that we're talking about, like revisiting like Twitter in 2007 is present on Hmm. Twitch now. I think that's right. That's, that's perfectly, perfectly stated. I love that. Yeah. And I love it. It feels like, uh, I mean, Twitch is not indie, you know, we all know it's owned by Amazon, but it has something, it's hard for me to put words into it exactly of like what it, what exactly it feels like. It it doesn't feel like the Wild West. You you already did. You, you crystallized it perfectly. My concern is that back in those, well, it's, there's, it's a double, double-edged sword. Back in those days, 2007 and such, those startups that were getting us all excited about the internet, and the beginnings of social media 
mm-hmm. were startups. They were independent companies. They weren't evil mm-hmm. yet, but they were all backed by venture capital. So it was a huge bubble. And right. the flip side of that now is like they're all owned by mega corporations. So like I don't love that Amazon owns Twitch, but like Twitch will be around and you know, successful in five years, 10 years, maybe, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I I do, I do at the very least like the fact that like something I'm enjoying and I love is not going to go anywhere because I know it's well-funded on one hand, but yeah, yeah, on the other hand, that is a piece of it. I will tell you this though, I think, and if I'm telling you something you already know, please do stop me. But I think that what's currently happening with Twitch now and what makes it stick out so much to me is not just like, you know, the fact that you have a platform and you can go do what you want to do, but the culture of Twitch. For instance, the fact that when you finished a Twitch stream, your Twitch stream, you are encouraged to raid another channel, which could be someone you know or someone you don't, and basically like bring all your followers to that channel. And like when people do that, you know, they're always like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for the raid. Like, who are you? What was your stream like? And like, it just has a warmth to it. People going out of their way to, to gift subs, yes. or to be kind for sure, but to gift subscri- paid subscriptions, not just getting them for themselves, but to, like, I think it was your, your channel. Uh, I was watching uh, your stream and then I'm, ju- I'm just sitting there. I'm just enjoying. And then one of your followers was just gifted me a subscription to your uh-huh. channel for the month. That's and what I, they was, do. I, I don't know who that is. I, right? I, they don't know who I like. It was just part of the culture and community that you've already established mm-hmm. uh even as a, rel- a relatively new streamer you you've been going for a couple months oh, a right couple of, yeah i mean a, maybe a month and a half maybe six weeks i'm not even sure but it's not long at all mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. here's the thing that's not unique to me in any way that is the no. culture of twitch and that's one of the things that i think makes it so remarkable is that you know i got there and i was like what's happening here like yeah. at first i had no idea what i was even looking at i was like what is this what what's a pog? Like, why, (laughs) why are all these people like spamming all these emotes? And then it was like slowly, right? Like I I kept hanging out because I I enjoyed the music and also a really good friend of mine, um, who I actually work with, who, you know, her husband, uh, is a streamer and that's how I found streaming. That's how I found Twitch. Yep. Yeah. Um, but before that I was like, why would I want to watch someone play video games? That's boring. I am. I am fascinated by all internet and influencer culture, and I am fascinated by the two reasons, well, m- the multiple reasons why people would come to a, a stream, and I'm, I'm mostly operating from my own behavior as a, like, as a very online person, but also, like, a pretty normal mainstream mm-hmm. guy. Like, I'm not, I'm not deep in the weeds on, on a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And so what I'm fascinated by is, hey, there's a game I am psyched about or want to know about. And like the trailer and the marketing materials it are not really s- explaining, the, they're not really showing me the gameplay that I'm trying to under, that I want to see. Right. So what do I do? Hey, I'm editing a podcast at work or I'm checking in on emails. I'm doing things that require, you know, half of my brain or a, or, a, or an audio part of my, I'll put on a, a Twitch stream on mute on a right. second monitor and I'll be, and then it will be, I will be aware of the game that's being played. And I don't know this streamer. I'm not really there for their personality. I'm not there for their skill or whatever. I am just checking out the game and I find that really um, useful from a mm-hmm. utility point of view. Then I am obsessed with the culture, the, the communities that streamers like 
big time streamers and also, you know, just getting started streamers like our friend Sky, like mm-hmm. yourself. And and I'm there. I'm like, okay, you guys are just getting started. And there's 20 people there, and they're all hanging out, having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'm like, that's it the goes coolest. to another level, which you may know about. So once again, stop me if, in fact, I'm telling you something you know. But another piece of the Twitch puzzle is that many of the Twitch uh, streamers have discords. And I was like, oh, okay, everybody yeah. has a Discord. What's that about, right? So I go in Skies, and then I go in a few other people's. And these discords are kind of like, you know, I mean, if you've used discord, you know, it's like a room with a bazillion little rooms in it, like a house with a bunch of tiny rooms, you know, and you go in the video game room or whatever, but everyone is so nice in those too. Like I'm in a few and like a typical morning starts off with people in the community popping in and being like, hi guys, I hope everybody's doing really well. I hope you have a great day. Here's a picture of a flower growing in my yard. Here's a picture (laughs) of my cat. Uh, that's it. And I'm just like, People are being so nice to each other here. Now, I'm not saying that Twitch is inherently nice because I know that there are dicks on Twitch, but I'm just saying that the circles I've been in, I'm just shocked by, I guess, the purity of it. It's so wholesome. Because it is it is this, it is is this, a city. It, it contains multitudes. If I yes. walk down the street and there's an asshole on my block, well, that's the asshole house. But if I walk down the street and visit my friend or my family and they're wonderful people, I'm going to be in there with like this, this idea that like, oh, the t- Twitter is a toxic place. And like, it has its problems. Oh, the Redditors are so ah. It's like, well, it depends what subreddit you're in, depends what Discord server you're in. And right. Exactly. I'm in I'm in mol- I'm in many Discord servers and some of them are the small beautiful places that you uh describe where it's like, mm-hmm. "Hey, well, hey guys, here's a, here's that flower." And some are like, "Oh my god, there's 10,000 people." Ew. doing and 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 I I'm I'm I enjoy those two for different reasons again or uh, you know one example was when Animal Crossing New Horizons uh captured all of our attention for uh <laughs> you know six straight months of the pandemic and we were all yes. obsessed with Thank it. Thank you Animal Crossing you saved so much of my soul. God bless. Um <laughs> I, uh, before Nookazon, before Nookazon as a a website for trading items began to take shape, there were Discord servers that was like, hey, I got this blue couch. I want the the red fireplace. And there were thousands of people just going, I got this. I want this. Hey, I want this. I need this. And I I just like would put it, leave it open because I was like, Oh my God, what if the cool thing that I want to get pops up Shows and then I could up. like meet someone and like fly to their island and then I could get the thing? How it was almost like seeing the like the New York Stock, uh, Stock Exchange <laughs> on your web browser. And I, I, I just love, love, yeah, that's love, amazing. Love that shit. But like to me, that's kind of the same vibe, right? Like the same kind of, I don't know, like I say kindness, but it's just, I think wholesome is a really good word because it seems like that's a word that, you know, has emerged for us in the culture. Like, I I don't know how many years, but like, yeah, all of a sudden that's what people really want. People want to be kind of touched. They want to be like, aw. But they want to be, they want to be with people who understand what they're obsessed with like yeah. I mean, and this is what we're gonna be talking about is like <laughs> you know the origin story of this show is that you know colette and i are co-workers and we have meetings about work that end up becoming uh chats about whatever we're playing whatever video games we're playing and because we're broken people we're like we need to make turn this into content this has to become <laughs> 
<laughs> we have to monetize this. Um, and here we are. Yeah, here we are. Woohoo! <laughs> Still and all, I have to say this, though, and I'll just quickly, I've told you this personally, but I haven't said it on the podcast, so I'm going mm-hmm. to. Uh, you know, it's now been... I don't know, 13 years, 12 years since Retroforce Ghost started. Mm -hmm. And I think that my most memorable moment from Retroforce Go was getting fan mail from a guy. And when I say fan mail, it was probably an email, you know, but Uh like fan mail from a guy who was stationed in Iraq. And he was, Hmm. he did not divulge his details because he couldn't. But in short, he told us in this email that he was on an assignment that really scared him. And that when he was doing a part of the assignment that basically required him to stand guard, that he would listen with his, <laughs> I don't know, uh, what, iPod? Like, mm-hmm. whatever there was at the time. He would listen with his yeah. iPod just tucked in his shirt pocket mm-hmm. and his little his little earphone in. And he said that he was in that foreign country feeling so lost and so afraid and that we were like friends in his ear. And, like, yeah. that literally gives me, like, chills good chills to this day because the idea that us just you know doing what you and i are doing right now just going off about games and just being excited and being happy helped someone that was in that kind of situation like that's what i want to accomplish in life is to do things like that for people amen that is why we do what we do because we are uh, I've heard this said elsewhere and I've said it uh, occasionally like y- you're inside the ears you're like mm-hmm. inside people's bodies and you're with them and there's a lot of content on the internet hey I'm going to google something to to watch a youtube video of how do I do this hey I need to send an email to my boss like that's all that is all stuff we do in our day but there but there then there's uh, and and then you could sit down to watch a netflix movie and that is a linear piece of uh, media that you're like, I'm going to watch this story or you could play a game. Right. And, and then, but then I get, my point is that there are, then there is just hanging out with people who are like you. And the thing I often think about is if I go to school or I go to work or I go, or I visit my family, like I have lots in common, I have things in common with those people and I have friends in common and, and I have interests in common. But if I, if I am playing, you know, monster hunter nobody around me is playing that game so if i want to talk about that game with other people who are like as obsessed with you know upgrading armor as i am right now (laughs) they're not around me so i need to go on the internet and talk to strangers and that is that can be wonderful but like it's nice to it's nice to find your people in 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 other ways too and uh, that is that is uh what we're going to get into here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, We're about to get into what we are currently playing, and I'm excited about the things that Colette has uh, listed in our show notes here, so I'm going to let her start. Briefly, a lot of things that I make on the internet are very, they are are scripted, they are edited, they are planned. This is not planned, so I'm going to say this aloud. The show is not going to be edited to any great extent um be mindful colette that's our first episode of papers shuffling and and bumping into your desk or microphone only because those are normal human sounds that will be magnified by the compression that i will eventually put on this uh audio so just be just be mindful of it 
Yes, for sure. And I do have papers on my desk, so I will definitely be mindful of that. Are you are, are those your notes for the show? Or are they your uh, your your taxes? What what are you doing right now? <laughs> um, well, since I have ADHD so bad, it's really difficult for me to just do one thing. So while I'm like having this extremely like happy time, like talking about these things with you, I'm also like putting down a layer of like black on the background of a painting I started earlier. Ooh, so nice. Very nice. Yeah, so but it's it's weird, right? It's like I used to feel really bad about this. Like, oh man. And like, I'm not able to pay attention. But the funny thing is, it actually helps me to pay attention. Oh, absolutely. And it, yeah. And it helped me to learn that it's really typical for um, both kids and adults who have ADHD, ADD to um, it helps them to focus if they can doodle or draw or paint or whatever. So now I do it. Uh, you know, knowing that it can help me sharpen my focus. So do not let me stop you or stand in your way. And I would like to see it when you're done. Uh, I'll make you jealous of not of me, but of a a colleague that I had who became an artist for uh, the uh, company that I worked for. He was like the guy who would draw the illustrations for all the news articles and whatever. Oh, cool. And, and like, he, he, he's a wonderful guy. And then he told me one time, like, yeah, like, you know, I, I, I draw for a living. Like, you know, he, he would sit at his desk and, 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 you know, it was a media site. So he'd be drawing like, Hey, we're covering, you know, the Lord of the Rings movie. So he, now he's drawing Gandalf. It's like you, you're drawing Gandalf and Superman for a living. That's your job. But on top of that, dude could just put on headphones and listen to podcasts all day while he Uh. draws because the drawing part of your brain doesn't require uh, uh, the word part of your brain. So he can do both. And I was like, God damn you, because I can't cut video or podcasts. <laughs> what I would love to cut to listen to another podcast while I cut podcasts because yeah, no, I hear you. I totally hear you. Like I can't I also cannot write. Or no. edit without with listening to other words that does not work. So I have uh, to listen and what to... about what about music with lyrics? Because I cannot do no. it. No, the only yep, thing I can same. listen to while doing any of those things is music without lyrics, which I do like a lot. Um, yep. I'm really into um, lately, especially like um, synth kind of drone stuff. I actually found a Twitcher mm. who's doing something that like, I don't even know how to put words to it. I'm just going to mm-hmm. share it with you, but it's like magic and amazing and feels like flying through the universe in a nice. bubble. Nice. <laughs> and that's what i listen to <laughs> <laughs> that very it sounds like very good writing music it is to me i like that and and uh and game music is also great uh as side note i was listening to another podcast uh it was uh, the retronauts podcast about they were stack ranking by committee the guests uh the uh, uh all the mega man games the mainline mega man nice. games and it was just a great conversation about the games but interspersed was all the music and holy shit like capcom mega man music from you know the mid 90s is unbelievable and then i'm i'm thinking about it being covered by a band as you were describing and yeah, hell, hell yeah! I, yeah, I would we're, like we're that. going back to that. It probably won't be on on podcasts, <laughs> or maybe it'll be the next podcast. Who knows? I but it, I have well, a lot to be. share about that. But right. before I like get you know lost in another tangent, um, I'm going to go back to what we're playing because I do really want to talk about the two things that have been on my plate this week and yes, kind of like what they've had, what they've put on my mind. Because for me. And I don't know about you, but I I suspect that what I know of you from our friendship. Oh, man. Siri? Yeah. 
I'm Who's sorry. that? Um, what I know of you from our friendship. Um, I didn't understand that. <laughs> you should just leave this in. Like, and I, I'll just be course. like, Siri, I didn't fucking ask you anything. I'm not, I'm not cutting any of this. God, I hate her. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to throw the phone across the room. I'm going to throw it. Um, so what I was going to say was that <laughs> I suspect that like me, you're a person who plays a game and enjoys it, but beyond the enjoyment of it that you also no, think I do, about, no, I do not, I do not enjoy it. Is, it is <laughs> no enjoyment. It is a task to be done. No, of course. <laughs> I suspect Continue. that you think, and this is one of the reasons why I was excited to do this project with you, because I suspect that you think about more than just, this is fun. I suspect you think about the mechanics, the story, the themes, the way it like, intersperses into like, you know, our actual real lives. Maybe to not all fault. the time, right? To a fault. And I, th- and I know you're like, possibly like this too, where it's like, I should be having fun right now, but I'm too hung up on... <laughs> Uh, you know the mechanic, the frame rate, the the dialogue choice, the translate, whatever. It's a it's a bad situation, but it, well, but you know this is one of the reasons why I intersperse like the things I play with like totally mindless things that are fun, yes. but like yes. they don't. You know what I mean? They don't demand yeah, totally. anything of me. So I would say that like the two games that I'm playing right now are perfect opposites of that on like the mm-hmm. teeter totter. So mm-hmm. the the one left side is Silent Hill Two Enhanced Edition, and if people are going, what is that? What is Enhanced Edition? It's actually a fan remake of the PS2 horror classic, which is one of my favorite games of all time. Mm. Um, and it I've seen it before. It's gone back and forth kind of across my radar a few times. Um, I remember a friend telling me five or six years ago, oh, like someone's someone's redoing like the Silent Hill games and like they look gorgeous and they're running in 1080p. But I didn't mm-hmm. have a computer at the time that could run games. Mm-hmm. So late last year, you know, my husband's trying to decide what to get me for Christmas. And he's like, I know what I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you like a bomb ass PC. Yeah, and you so, are. You you have welcome to the world of PC gaming. You are you are right. fairly new. <laughs> so or, new. Or did you did you or were you a PC player back in the day or, or never? Only console. Oh, always console. PC player. Oh, my God. I'm going to really date myself now, Matt. PC player uh, starting out with text adventure games like Return to Zork. Yep. When I was a kid mm-hmm. and playing up to about, gosh, how long did I have a PC? I want to say that I was playing PC up to the time I was maybe 20 or so. The last, mm-hmm. one of the last games I remember playing on my still not very strong PC, mind you, because my parents bought it for me, um, was uh, the Blade Runner role-playing game which is really oh, good i'm not even not even aware of it but okay yeah, it's it's really good and it was just remastered but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go off into that anyway, briefly briefly before you proceed are, are you like a sierra point and click uh fan from from that from that you know, from our childhood or or no were you in a different world no, no 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 that's definitely where i was i was all about story driven games and yeah, i okay you know obviously, right? I become a writer in, in adult life, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I was always obsessed with that from a really young age. And yeah, I cut my teeth on stuff like, uh, Zork and, uh, Maniac Mansion and hmm. the, um, the Infocom games and yeah, stuff like that. And, you yep. know, all that stuff has like a really fun place in my heart. Right. But I never really used PC 
used a PC for like games that made you go like, whoa, it looks so good. Like <laughs> that wasn't the PC I had, you know, younger. And then when I decided to go over to Mac, it was probably about 13 or 14 years ago. And I'm a pretty aesthetic person. So I loved, you know, everything about what makes Mac Mac. Sure. Um, and I just thought, well, I play my games on console, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. when I got it really into VR last year, I started like seeing people playing games where they were using mixed reality. And I think like, you know, a little exclamation point, you know, the metal gear exclamation point, (laughs) like went up over my head. And I was like, I was like, how can I do that? That's so cool. So, you know, I talked about it and I thought about it. $3,000 later, you can too. And that's, I am sitting next to a, a (laughs) blinking neon behemoth (laughs) black box as we speak that does all those very things. So Mm -hmm. anyway, so to get back to the Silent Hill 2 enhanced edition, uh, PC gaming, of course, opens up all these doors. So I had not thought about, I tried to play, actually, I tr- last last Halloween, every October, my husband and I watch move, horror movies and play horror games all month, and we love nice. it. Nice. So he was like, maybe I should try Silent Hill 2 this year. And I was like, well, you know, it's always been one of my favorite games. I'd love to see what you think of it, right? He had never played it. Nope, he'd never played it. And he picked up the HD remaster, which is hot garbage. and. He was like, I, I kind of can't play this. Like it's, it's the tank controls are really tough and it just doesn't feel like, and it looked old and like this little part of my heart, like a crack appeared in it. I was like, I love this game so much and it is so sad to me, but I have to admit that even with the remaster, it just feels old. Right. What about the, okay. You, you have to, you have to educate me a little bit here because I never did. I never owned a PlayStation, any iteration of it. And I'm not into horror games. So what year is is Silent? This is Silent Hill 2. What year are we talking? What system? And then you're talking about an HD remaster. But when you right. say remaster was, is it like, hey, we just bumped up the fidelity or, or did they actually manipulate the game in some way to, to update it? Let me give you a few road signs. So uh, Silent Hill 2 is a PS2 game. I could PS2. not tell you the year of release, but I'm it's 2000. Something, something right 2003 yes, whatever no, that, that, that gives me a place to, to go yeah, from that's something good. like that so um it is it is a beloved series there have been mm-hmm. a whole bunch of entries but the first four were made by a developing team called team silent that was out of japan and that did twisted amazing like provoking work and then they walked away from the franchise Konami tried to keep it going. That didn't really work out so well. I and was going to say it's it right. It's Konami there. publishing. I, I don't know why I went. My brain went to Capcom. Maybe because I was mentioning it earlier. But mm. no, is Konami publishing? But it was a, a their own team. You know, as an independent team that made the series. Right. Yes. And here, that's the thing. They um, after Team Silent stepped away from the Silent Hill series after four, uh, they were like, well, we have the successful franchise. We're going to keep doing it. And they had a bunch of other studios come in and try their hand. But no one quite nailed what made Silent mm. Hill Silent Hill after that, even though it was like, oh, it has the fog and it has the the crazy monsters. And but like those weren't the things that made Silent Hill what it is to me. And and this is uh, you mentioned monsters, so I'm assuming this is not like slow psychological terror or whatever. It is like m- monster horror, but is it jump scare? Is it is it um, um, you know it is slower actually, than that? 
psychological terror, I would say. Okay. Psychological um, dread is maybe a dread. good way to put it. So here's a here's another um, road sign. Silent Hill and Resident Evil pretty much come out around the same time. Okay. Both are thought of as survival horror, but Resident Evil is like action centric survival okay. horror and then silent hill is like run away from the bad guys horror because you're just a regular person and you yeah you're not you don't have machine guns or anything you exactly. are just trying to survive yeah so one was offensive and one was defensive and mm-hmm. silent hill at its heart i still think you know is a defensive kind of game but stealth is stealth an important factor here no not really no. it's really oh, very okay. much a like I'm just a regular dweeby guy or girl (laughs) in one of them. It's a girl like running away from monsters, trying to hide, trying to get around things and basically solving puzzles and like figuring out how to navigate Silent Hill, which is a town where like sometimes you walk to the end of a street and like the the earth just ends and the road just cracks off and there's nothing there. So this so a very supernatural setting. Yes. And, you know, I've loved horror since I've probably been about 10 years old. So (laughs) this is very my stuff. But um, so to go back to the whole enhanced edition thing. Yeah. So uh, Silent Hill 2 and 3 were re-released in HD. I believe it was on PS3 on the same disc. Mm -hmm. And it was a garbage remake. Absolutely garbage. Um, You know, like they decided to change out the voice actors for some reason. That caused a huge like uprising in the community. People hated that. Uh, it was just really sloppy. Like, I mean, there's lots of like, you know, roundup videos of why it was so bad, but it was bad. Mm-hmm. And that's been the only way to play those beloved early games that were made by team silent, you know, silent Hill one through four. Mm-hmm. That was really it. I mean, even today, like you can't go and buy a greatest hits, you know, silent Hill two and play it on your PS five. Like that's not going to happen. No. And back in the PS three days, emulating a ps2 on a pc was probably not really such a great endeavor <laughs> yeah, I, if i'm no definitely I don't, I don't, not that, that doesn't track today you could probably play this on your phone and have a great time you know what yeah I mean? for real you probably could but i mean yeah so it was one of those things right like as a longtime fan of this series and uh also I think it was just a couple of years ago that um, it looked like Kojima was going to take over Silent Hill. And he oh, did a trailer with huh. Norman Reedus in it called Silent huh. Hills. And like my little that sounds, circle. Sounds familiar. Oh, my God. Freaked my out, little circle sure. of the Internet was having a fucking meltdown like mm-hmm. Kojima and Silent Hill. And then for whatever reason, it got canned and no one knows why. No so, one knows why. Interesting. Uh, Okay, so here's the backstory, right? <laughs> so to the up to the moment, it's very exciting to me and also really impressive that a group of fans, a collective who have been working on this restoration of Silent Hill 2, it's called Enhanced Edition for years. They still update it. They still do I stuff to it regularly. I love this. I know, because it's it's literally like this is their baby. This is their love letter to yep. this series. And you can tell because not only does playing it this this enhanced edition which by the way is completely free as long as you own the original silent hill 2 in some form you know your your disc your you bought it for pc whatever you can play this game and it's free mm-hmm. so that impresses me even more because you know of course they can't charge for it because it's not their intellectual property no. but it's it's just still impressive but what my immediate question for you and perhaps you're, you're you will address it is what is the publisher or developer's stance on this? Because some are super chill 
and some will send the lawyers out immediately and oh, I mean, so what's, what's been the going lawyer, on the lawyers would go out i think but for whatever reason they have not like see the enhanced edition doesn't change the content in any way all it does is like clean it up and make it better it basically is like restoring a classic car in my opinion but, like but wait so do you need how do you play it what 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 uh, system on pc so yeah, on PC only. Um, and the way that I set it up was I have had for quite a long time, um, the, there was a PC version of Silent Hill 2. Um, oh, okay. so I've had that and, you know, kept it in my stuff for many, many, many years. And so as long as you have a version of Silent Hill 2, um, you know, a physical version, or you can, you know, rip it onto your computer or whatever, you can download the enhanced edition and it'll basically so it is mo- it is essentially a mod that is modifying the right. original meaning i can't simply i don't own this game in any digital or physical way so i cannot download this enhanced version and play it is that what you what you're saying correct you have to have the original game and i Very mean interesting. you know if you wanted to look on the internet for like oh, an emulator sure. you know like that would be your way around it i could Obviously, pull down I- the rom and then play the ROM as whatever. But, but okay, this is actually, I am very intrigued by a lot of these fan-made things. And I have not, I don't, can't remember one made like this where it runs like on top of the original game. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm sure I cas- there must be something. I just don't know of, of it. For sure. I'm, I casually am aware of, like, I wouldn't say follow, but whenever it pops up, I'm like, oh, yeah hundreds of people are still remaking the elder scrolls morrowind in the skyrim engine and here's the latest update but i guess maybe i'm answering my own question you need to own skyrim and then install the mod which is the morrowind mod to run it in it's kind of reversed you're playing the newer game and running the older game inside but yeah okay cool yeah, That's yeah, very it's, cool. it's it's amazing. It really it really is. But and it runs um, great. Like it, it it plays as well as you remember. But it's but it's better now and it's <laughs> Matt, enhanced. It's and... never played this well ever. The original <laughs> game never played this well or looked this nice ever. Um, it's amazing. Which is kind of cool, right? Because and, and this is a, a point I really wanted to hit on. Silent Hill Two to me is such a standout game because and especially in the genre of horror because the story. And it's been out for a long enough time that I feel okay just like straight spoiling this game. Like, you know what? If you didn't play it 20, by the way, this is its 20th birthday this year. So if you didn't play it in the last 20 years, like, fuck you. I have not. You're about to spoil it for me. And and I'm okay with it because I, I probably, unless you, unless you are telling me you think I should no, go and play I, it. I don't think it's your type of game, but I do okay. think that you're going to really enjoy what I'm about to say. Go so, for it. Silent Hill 2, to me, stands out and has stood out for so long because the story is about a man. And it's a great, like, like teaser, like that first five minutes where you're like, what, what, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a man. He shows up in, like, a, a woodsy-looking town, and his voiceover says, I got a letter from my wife. And she says, I want you to meet me in Silent Hill at our special place. But she died years ago. Hmm. But here I am. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, like, how could you not be like, what the hell is going on? Per- uh, perfect, perfect setup. 
Perfect start. So James, this is his name. He makes his way down into Silent Hill. And, you know, yeah, from the word go, shit is crazy. There's fog everywhere. <laughs> Mannequins are with, that have no heads are attacking each other. He's seeing stuff. He's like, it's, it's just a complete surreal, like, you know, yeah. As you can see, I'm like at a loss for words, Mm -hmm. but so the entire game, you know, James is like, well, I really want to find my wife. Right. And he ends up running into this woman who looks just like his wife, but she's dressed like a prostitute. Hmm. And as the game goes on, all these little things start to happen around James that you're like, none of this quite makes sense. Right. And through like the the whole like passage of the game, you know, I think you're thinking, well, is he going to find her? Is he like, you know, what like when the when the woman shows up who looks just like his wife, but is dressed, you know, the way she's dressed. I think you start like going, oh, there's something more going on here. Like what's going on here? Something more, of course, but also um, what do you call it in literature? The 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 non-credible narrator of like the person telling you the story who you think is like the, the voice of the story turns out, Oh, non untrustworthy, meaning he, the world is correct, but he is wrong or something like that, you know, or he's imagining things. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's more to it. That's that's where I, that's what I would guess. If I was in, if I was playing this game and reached that point that you were describing, I'd be like, wait a minute, this guy is crazy or this guy is, you know, thinking about things wrong or misremembering or has amnesia or whatever. Right. Well, that could not be better put because in the last, I would say 20% of the game, James remembers that he murdered his wife Mm -hmm. because she was so sick with whatever disease they, it looks like cancer, but they never tell you what it is. And Mm -hmm. he has completely blocked it out. So then at that point, you kind of get to have this, you kind of look back at the entire game and realize that you've seen it through the lens of trauma, which Mm. to me is so incredibly impressive 20 years later, because all of the things that he sees, you know, this is the game that the famous pyramid head debuts, Mm. which I can't even begin to tell you the number of conversations on the internet about how like pyramid head, like represents James sexuality. And (laughs) like, there's a scene where like pyramid head is like doing something that definitely looks like rape to like a mannequin several mannequins actually and like Mm -hmm. like there's moments like that and you're like what what does that mean and then once you realize that you have been with the unreliable narrator the entire game and that he killed his own wife and that he didn't remember it anymore because he had blocked it out you kind of look back at all these really interesting threads of like what trauma looks like from a person's perspective. And to Mm. me, that was incredibly fascinating 20 years ago. Now that I'm 20 years older, it's probably 10 times as much. Um, It's really a very elegant execution of really multi-layered emotions and issues. And I think that people are probably still looking at it and thinking about what all those things mean. So that impresses the hell out of me. I was hoping you'd say that. I was hoping you'd say that because uh, those themes uh, in a PS2 era game. Right. Quite groundbreaking. But then sometimes you look back and you're like, okay, cool ideas here. But this this, this doesn't hold up. That's not not as impactful as it was when I was a, you know, teenager, 20 something, whatever. It still blows my mind, quite honestly, because I mean, we're talking about a time period where, you know, and you may remember this, um, there was a game that uh, was one of the first, 
I guess, quote unquote, serious topic games that was called um, That Dragon Cancer. I think it was mm-hmm, about sure. 13, 14 years ago. But is it that old? I, didn't, I feel like yeah, it was more it recent than that. Holy but I remember shit. when that came out and I went, oh, my gosh, the games is art argument might actually have real weight now because games like that were coming out games like journey were coming out which were like you know following the cycle of birth life and death like all this really deep shit and you're just like wow this is so cool to see games which i think have always been art in their own way regardless they are always art They have always been art, um, you know, carving a chess piece and making it beautiful or the the, the symmetry of a board or whatever is is art like it's all media and it's all art. And sometimes you're just jumping on a Goomba and sometimes you're talking about the trauma of cancer. Right. But it's all art. Right. I think as a person who grew up in an era where video games were ridiculed and I was made fun of for liking Mm -hmm. them for quite some time as a young adult, Mm -hmm. like, you know, Mm -hmm. teenage 20s, like games are not cool then and they're cool now for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it was just like seeing them kind of evolve and mature into a different type of like commentary on what it is to be human i think that was like really meaningful for me because a part of me was like see it 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 is good media it what i love does matter and like that was something that i needed people to know i think you know yeah Yeah. same experience i i I don't i have no memory of of being ridiculed or anything like i that was i was uh i don't know i didn't encounter like the nerd whatever stereotype um <laughs> and maybe and maybe i'm sure a big part of that was because uh i i was i'm a dude who and we all just liked to do video games and maybe it was different <laughs> for girls growing up i'm sure that's a factor but i th- i often think about uh i don't remember where i read this or heard this but someone commentated and said video games as an art form are only as old as we are like they only began in the 70s and they and they grew we grew up with them and have seen them since the since the beginning of them that's right and they have finally become recognized as the as the art form that they have always been and then i often think about like hey in the 18 whatever 1800s or whenever the novel came out the novel as a concept as a piece of literature was shit on it was deemed the shittiest piece of shit you could imagine because really? it wasn't a play and it wasn't uh and it's you know a, a a longer work it was a short piece of fiction that you know was for trash it was a, it was a trashy thing to to to, wow. to 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 read or consume or be excited about i had no uh, idea i'm sure I'm sure my I'm sure I'm mis- misstating the 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 century or the year or whatever but whenever the novel as a form as a as a crystallized form came on the scene it was not welcome and now the novel is the default piece of literature <laughs> that we teach to every child in every school around the world and we are we are teaching game design we are teaching game theory and mechanics and whatever and art in schools not just like hey I want to be a game designer we are we're fucking we are we are, kids are attending school inside minecraft today right. in the 21st oh, century god it just we're gives here. me the chills the happy yeah. chills really it does <laughs> it really does i mean I, I, to be honest uh, you know yeah a lot of gaming for me was was a bit lonely as a kid um you know i i was an only child i didn't really have a lot of people to play games with so it was like very much a solo activity for me mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. honestly like 
looking around now and looking like if I had kids, you know, like I would be definitely playing games with my kids. And I think about what kind of experiences, you know, our kids are having now with games versus like what I had when I was a kid. And I just, it just excites me to no end. As a, as like, as a parent and as like an old person, you, you want, there is this innate thing in all of us to want to show your kids the the games and the books and the movies that you loved as a kid mm-hmm. and it's not just us it's every generation wants to go back and say hey back in my day or you should understand what this art was like and how right. small or limiting or early it was so that you can appreciate what this art is today right and you for can sure. apply this to books movies games anything and i and and now kids are living so so that has always been a generational thing and now kids are living in this hyper fat fast hyper nostalgic culture where i'm showing my kids the legend of zelda but they're also playing breath of the wild and those are connected but what's that like it is wonderful and they appreciate it because they're young and so they they a they ha- they in some ways have no choice but b they <laughs> don't they're not going they're not like okay dad i'm going to go out with my friends and that will happen eventually but i'm also interested in the hyper like remix nostalgia culture of like hey the movies and kids shows that you are watching as a kid made for kids in 2021 are ref like they watch wreck it ralph which is a fantastic disney animated movie both movies are really really good um perhaps you've seen them i don't know if i uh, and yes and there's you know we don't have to get into it but all of the cultural references are references to video games from 80s not all of them but 80s arcades 90s gaming culture and so they are consuming media with no context for the media that came before yeah god so and it's fine they they don't care they're just living their lives but i don't know i think it's a little it's not that's not brand new but it is it is at a speed today that is um a lot faster a lot yeah. there's a lot more yeah to, no and it's not a worry it's not a concern it's just i i am very fascinated by that yeah, no, no, I, I get it. And I, I think about that too. Sometimes I really regret that I, I'm always a person who is like, uh, I'm like an animal parent, not a cat parent. Like, I mean, sorry, not a, not a baby parent. Like mm-hmm. I always knew, like, I didn't want kids. I just wanted to have like a bevy of animals, but sometimes I, I regret that if only because I wish that I could show my kids games, you know, yeah. like I wish I could play games with them. So I always kind of have to live vicariously through parents that are playing games with their children. Do you have uh, any, oh no, you said you're an only child, but maybe your husband has nieces and nephews in the mix yes, or, any, yes, or anything like that? So yeah, so I do too, but, um, and they are gamers. Um, one of them is mm. more gamer than the other, but um, they are. So that has been fun. I have played Animal Crossing with them. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I uh, my, my daughter is eight now, recently turned eight and she, like being able to read and being able to read extremely well, like when you're five, okay, you're figuring stuff out. But now she reads like a freaking adult now. So yeah. she can play any game that I can play. Yeah. And 
that is so cool. And so she she's starting to dabble in virtual worlds. There's like an educational iPad game. It's called Adventure Academy. And you have to learn, you have to do like little lessons and watch little videos and read little books, which she enjoys anyway. And then you earn points to then spend on the house that you want to build in the game. And then you wow. get a pet and then you get, and I'm like, yeah, I want the pets too. Cause that's what I <laughs> grind for in all the games that I want to play. It, it, all the mechanics that we love and get hooked on are in an educational setting. And I see her brain. I, she's like, daddy, I just, if I can get to level 10, I can go to the dock and that's oh where God, I can really, yes. I can get fish and everything. <laughs> and I'm like, girl, do it. It's great. You know? I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's so great. It's so awesome. Yeah. I just, I absolutely love that. Um, so yes, anyway, <laughs> went quite a ways uh, off on that. But hey, the other thing I'm here. playing, I'm probably going to keep it a bit short because it's nowhere near as complex as my memories of Silent <laughs> Hill 2. Um, it's called Magic Legends. I found out about it about two weeks ago, and it is good old-fashioned Magic the Gathering. But I think the thing that I love the most about it is that it's basically like if Diablo and Magic had a baby. And yep. Diablo is one of my like long time, like, like where we were talking about like, oh, games that really move us and make this big like impact on us. And then you have games where you're just like, I want to kill. And like, that's Diablo. <laughs> like sometimes I'm just like, my husband, <laughs> my husband has this joke. <laughs> like, I'll be like, man, I had a rough day at work or whatever. And like, he'll put his hand on my shoulder and go, do you need to kill, sweetie? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I think I might need to kill. And so then he's like, you know, maybe you should go play pistol whip and like, you know, do some killing uh, yeah. or whatever. And I do, and it feels better. Um, <laughs> so yeah, a magic. I mean, it's not it's not quite as um, uh, killing right off the get go like Diablo is, for instance. Mm -hmm. But the way it, it feels a lot like that kind of top down Diablo, except much nicer mm -hmm. and more modern. Um, your cards are your attacks and spells. So let's say you have a have an attack and you 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 use it, it goes away because it's a card. So you okay, play right. the card. You play the card, got it. So that's pretty fun. Um, is it super, super unique? No. Like of course yeah. not. It's it's that itch, it's that feeling of like, oh, it's like I'm playing Diablo, but you're not. You know, you're mm -hmm. playing magic and you've mm -hmm. probably played magic or seen people play magic. Um, so, and it's free to play, you know, which is like a thing that at one time to me meant like, oh, this game is garbage. And now it's like, holy shit, there's some no. really good free to play games in the world now, ethical, you know, ethical, good free to play games are my jam in 2020, yeah. 2021. Uh, Ooh, we can, we can do some episodes about that, but, uh, <laughs> I, I have, I have quite a few questions for you about legends, but please yeah. proceed. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, that's kind of it because like it doesn't like I said, it, it's not anything like, you know, uh, you know, Silent Hill is like this like deeply layered thing for me. It's not just a, you know, a horror game or a jump scare game or whatever. Right. And then you have something like this, which is like not going to make me do any deep thinking at all, but it's like a really, really enjoyable thing anyway. Story that matters and that might be a linear story or that might be a branching complicated thing but that is but that is one headspace right. and then and then there's that other i just want to kill things headspace and i'm right. i'm right there with you but then i'm really 
I don't know what is what it is, if it's the pandemic or the or the stuck at home kind of stuff, but like I want I want to grind. I want to make <laughs> slow but sh- but certain progress and I want numbers to go up and mm-hmm. I want strength to go higher and may hey maybe I'm going to fail at a mission or maybe I'm going to you know not get that you know the the most uh uh you know resources on this run but I'm going to get okay. some and I'm going to go back again because I'm not interested in uh, doing anything in my real life. I want to just be here doing this thing over and over. So that's a topic for another episode. My question about uh, Magic Legends is, Do have you played, do you play Magic the Gathering? How familiar are, are you, were you, with that, with those mechanics and that game specifically? And how does that impact your uh enjoyment or understanding of this top-down action rpg which i get how these are intertwined but also like magic the gathering is is arguably the deepest rabbit hole oh yeah you could go down it's incredible this doesn't seem like that this this legends does not seem like that but maybe i'm wrong well, I haven't gotten super far. So I can say that like it's only from the limited perspective of someone who's I think level like 8 or 9 or something like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um but like okay, so to answer the first question, um I played Magic when the uh first ever set came out. Really? Yes, I am a very have, old school Magic player that do you stopped have, Do you playing. have any of those cards? Do you own them? Matt, let me freaking tell you. I think I gave them to someone because I was like, oh, I'm not I'm not into it anymore. I gave away tens of thousands of dollars of <laughs> That's cards. What I was about to ask you. It, Holy it shit. is horrible. It's 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 I have one other story about how I had the first uh, issue of Sandman and I cut it up and put it on an envelope to one of my pen pals. And that was bad, <laughs> but it's not as bad as this one. This one is so bad. And I'm just like, oh, God, like it kills me. So yes, that is my history with that, right? I used to go to the coffee house that was like uh, in New Orleans where I used to hang out and like play people because magic was so big at that time. And people really? would just like hang out at this coffee house. Yeah, like like in the French Quarter. And I used to go there and like play guys and beat people all the time. And I'd beat these guys and they would just like look at me like, I hate you. <laughs> I Okay. So when this game came on the scene... There was something about it that was attractive, attra- attractive to me. I was like, oh, wait, you because you could have a deck, but my deck could be different and we could build yep. we could build these differently and all these interactions with the, like, oh, wow. But I never got into it because there was just no there really was not like I'm sure I could get the cards if I wanted, but there was no like game store. There was no coffee house where right. I was and nobody I knew. Played it. played it and you had so to have like, people to play it with to make you it had what it to is. have a community around you so like what was i gonna do build a deck and look at pretty cards like maybe no, but you have I couldn't... to play with people and so, they've solved that to a degree right like i mean you know magic is now so universal and so old my god i mean like it's been around for so long and the fact that they continue to reinvent it over and over and over impresses me 
Yeah. Um, I will say, interestingly enough, the thing that got me to stop playing was that I thought it got too complicated. Okay. <laughs> but a lot of other people that play magic, that's what they love about it most. My husband's yep. also a magic player. And the more comple- complex he can make his game, the more tokens and creatures stacked on creatures with like stuff on top of it that you can accentuate and like boost your creatures with. Like he's all about that. And for me, I like, I like a core game that's fairly simple. This is why I like Diablo probably because it's, it's fairly simple. Right. And also to go back to ADHD for a minute, like I can't (laughs) remember a lot of things. So if it's like 85 things, forget it. (laughs) Well, so let me, so this is, this is a very urgent question that I have for you (laughs) and maybe for Patrick as well. Maybe I'll, you know, I'll, you have to call him on the phone separately. I recently have really, really been enjoying and getting into uh, Magic Arena, which is oh, nice. a, PC, a PC and mobile free-to-play, as we were just discussing, full version of Magic. Very ethical. You, you, you win gold by winning matches or completing different quests, which you then spend on packs, which you... And then, of course, you can buy a premium currency to get more packs. But, like, I have built... Uh, a fair a fairly reliable competitive deck uh in this game and i love it but as i'm playing and it it, it it's a huge learning curve that i really yeah. enjoyed climbing over but what blows my mind is i'm playing decks and cards that i have been playing for months and months and months i know how my deck works i'm seeing a lot of other cards in the mix and i'm playing a lot of different opponents and still, months later, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this, and my creature's going to attack, and then this is going to happen, and then, and the cards interact in a way that is so deep and so unexpected that I'm like, cool, thank God there's a fucking video game here, because if I was playing paper, I would not understand all the, I, let me ask, let me rephrase this. How the hell do paper players keep track of what's going on if they don't have a computer system telling you, okay, this card does this, this card does this, okay, this adds a token here. Because I... I'm floored constantly by the complexity. Right. And, and and you don't even have ADHD. So it's like, I'm glad to hear, I'm not glad it's confusing, but like, I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only one that's like, I can't remember all that. But I, I am like, I'm asking like, I would be doing a strategy and doing a thing and I'd be leaving like 20 hit points on the board because I forgot to put a token on something. Like, I, I don't, I would like to watch a paper match and see what these people are doing because I don't understand how any human mind could keep track of this game if it was not. Because like when you play a bit, when you're playing Diablo, I mean, we're saying, oh, it's a stupid game, but it's, a, it's, a, it's just a kill game. But like, there are dice rolls and stat sure. points and armor, whatever that are being calculated a thousand times a second. Yep. But you don't have to calculate them. You're just nope. pressing A. But yeah. there's a game underneath there that's doing a thing. Mm-hmm. And in magic, there's no there's no there's no computer doing it for you. You gotta no. do it all yourself. And I can't I can't get my head around it. Yeah, I get it. I totally get that. And like I watch Patrick play. We have a couple other friends that play mm-hmm. and like sometimes they'll play and I I'm not going to lie, Matt. I wanted to get back into it. I wanted to be like, oh, yeah, like I'm an old school badass and I'm going to come back. And <laughs> it was too much to keep up with. So I, I couldn't. Yeah. So like as I'm playing, um, as I'm playing now with 
uh, with with magic legends. I'm kind of like, huh, I wonder if it's going to get to the point where it's that complicated or if it does, will it will it be managed in a way that makes it doable for me? You know, so but, I mean, so I'll have to report back and like and, and well, tell it, you if if you're enjoying legends, then enjoy legends. But honestly, as a as a true, real old school magic player, you who who is saying, but hey, the game is is gotten away from me. Arena is if you want to play. Yeah. <laughs> let me be, let me back up. If you want this in your life, Arena is the answer because it solves. Every, you're getting to play the full Magic game and you're getting all of that stuff, but you don't have to do that crazy work. Right. You know, and the I've matches never are tried so it. fast. If so, uh, to answer me this: If you're playing paper or Patrick's playing paper and you're doing all these calculations, matches must last like thirty minutes an hour or whatever. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes they do. It depends. So like, let's just say, and I'll try to keep this brief, but like, let's just say one person's approach is that they have some really big creatures that they want to get out on the board. So like, maybe their approach is, well, I'm going to load my deck with all these like one, one creatures that are going to seem like they're just bullshit. But like, while I'm getting them out, I'm also getting lands out. So I'm going to build up the amount of lands that I have. And then like, while my opponent is busy killing all my one ones, I'm going to save up enough to bring out this like, you know, 1010 behemoth that breeds mm-hmm. ice and is going to literally like, <laughs> you know, like Wipe vaporize anything yeah. that it breeds on. Right. And like, you know, that's, that's okay. <laughs> like, like I get, I get where, you know, you're going with that kind of strategy. So that's one kind of player. Right. And like, by the yeah. time that that big creature comes out, everything's going to die. And then you have like people who don't play like that. They, you know, like, I don't know. There's just so many different, I guess what I'm getting at is there's so many different types of strategies about the yeah. ways people play magic that, yeah, it could last hours or it could last 20 minutes, depending on the type of person you're playing it but with. But in arena, no matter who you're playing, and I've encountered many very uh, fascinating deck structures that mm-hmm. I don't fully comprehend, but um, like I've, I, I'm encountering players that's like, hey, my creature is going to beat your creature and we're going to fight and we're going to d- do that damage. And then this other player is like, I got no creatures. I'm just going to mill your fucking deck until you're out yep. of cards and there's nothing yep. you can do about it. And I'm like, that's the thing. holy like shit, it, that's a yeah. strategy. Yeah, that's their strategy. Or like, yeah, like it, it's just amazing. Like, I will say this. I think one of the most fascinating things about magic is all of the different ways people have figured out how to play it. Because yeah. I, to be, I'll be 100% honest. I never played it in any more complicated way other than I'm going to get my lands out. I'm going to get my creatures and spells out. And that's how I'm right. going to kill you. That was it. Yeah. Yep. Never more complicated than that. And you know what? That's fine. That's, and that's the fine. kind if of you player have, I am. If you have a strong deck where the deck uh, is, uh, what do you call it? There are synergies, right? Your, 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 your sorceries or your, your, your lands are feeding your creatures properly. Then, then great. You've yeah. got a strong You've got a strong deck. I guess my 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 overarching point for you, if you want to dip back in, is that the com- this crazy complexity is boiled down to ten minute match or less because wow. the everything's there for you. So you're just you you read the card and you're like, okay, play it. Bam, bam, bam. Calculations done. Okay, next turn. You don't have to. Okay, get a token. Put this out. And, hmm. and I can't I can't fathom another way to play it, but it's wonderful. But then. When you get caught in those crazy loops, there was one, my son really likes this game. He's, he's almost five. He's four. He's going to turn five this week. And I am thrilled that he is like, he can't read, but he 
understands the like super de- basic level mechanics of the most complicated card game ever made. Wow. And I'm like, so he watches me play on my phone. And so most games are whiz bang, quick match. And then sometimes you get in these fantastic loops where like I had a total shit hand and nothing's working and I can't get my, my creatures out. But I have one card that like whenever a creature attacks me, it deals damage to the to the opponent and gains life for me. So this player has literally 10 creatures on the board, but can't do shit with them because I have this one enchantment sitting on the side. <laughs> and I'm like, I am a, the, I, I'm, I'm, I've lost this match. I cannot win. <laughs> but this game has gone on for 30 minutes because right. I can't be attacked because he will die. This, this player will die. And I'm like, magic is the coolest it's the coolest game it's an incredible game it really is and i'm actually really happy to hear that uh that you have also been playing it and getting a lot out of it and yeah you and patrick probably should connect (laughs) because he he really loves magic too and i know that he uh he is also playing did you say it's arena magic it's called arena which is the mobile and pc version and like he can just lay in bed and play five games of magic like if you love magic how could you not be playing this i'm sure he must be playing it right yeah he is i mean uh, well he also has pc overwhelm where like you get a pc and then you realize that you can literally buy like hundreds of games for like 40 dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you're like i just spent 40 dollars and i have 76 games like what do i do <laughs> what what do i do right so yeah like he has but he's also played all these other things because he's been so distracted but that mm-hmm. said like we do have like a big chest of our cards and none of them are my old cards, of course, but we have mm-hmm. like a, a lot of cards That's and he fun. does still really enjoy like manually playing. Um, yeah, I, I believe it. I, I get it. It has yeah. a certain appeal, I will say. And like, you know, of course, since that's how I started, like, yeah, there's something fun about sitting down with your deck. But anyway, we could go on and on and on about that. <laughs> Hey, well, so so Legends is scratching the Diablo itch. Well, my final question for you is, uh, you know, we're waiting for Diablo 4. I bounced off of 3 really hard. I found it to be very... I get the story... I'm not playing Diablo for the story, but like the, the <laughs> beginnings of that game were like, I'm just blasting through enemies. There's no challenge. I'm just mm-hmm. hitting A and i know that there's a grind here somewhere but where but is the it the grind was like you grind for armor to get better armor and then that gives you better ar- and i was like i i get it i truly deeply understand this but i i i could as a grind lover i could not find the loop in the diablo you like, 3 right no i get that and i also as a person who like when diablo 3 the day diablo 3 was released i was literally like like panting in front of a computer, like waiting for that download to start. Like I was so excited. I believe it. I also like don't really understand clearly what it was that like, I didn't love as much as I loved Diablo two, but I tell you what, Diablo Mm -hmm, two is getting a remake and I am extremely excited about that. And also Diablo four looks dark as fuck. And I am also really into that. Yeah, it's looking it's looking real good. And uh yeah, I mean maybe they'll I mean they fixed Diablo 3. Like all the problems and all the the auction house stuff and everything was problematic in the beginning of the PC release. Like I've only touched it on Switch. And yeah. I'd like you, I was like 
oh, I can just kill things in bed. Great. Let's go Diablo 3. And phew, could not find it. Could not find the groove. Yeah. No, I hear you. I totally hear you. Well, so, uh, so is Legends, does Legends feel good or are you just still figuring it out? I think I'm still figuring it out, but so far to me, it feels good enough that it is mm-hmm. scratching that itch of like, oh, I'm looking forward to going back and getting a little further. And mm-hmm. to me, that's as a gamer, constantly overwhelmed by options that that's enough for me. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, so I, I, I will I report back, but I am please, going to play please more. Do. I, I, I feel like I've been in a bit of a rut lately where a lot of things I've been dabbling in have not pulled me back. Um, so I, so I know what you mean when you say that, and I'm glad to, I'm glad you're filling that poll for this one and it's in beta. Yeah. It's still early. Like yeah. you're still, you know, you're in there early. Very early. Definitely. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting, but nice. I feel like I have literally talked about what I'm playing for one straight hour. That's what we're here to <laughs> do. This is the point of this show. But let's talk about what you're playing. I, uh, as I said, tr- I was been trying to find the thing. Uh, as someone who likes to get obsessed with, a g- I, I don't like playing a lot of games at the same time. I Me like either. being I obsessed with with one thing if I can. Or it'll be like one PC thing and then a Switch thing, mm-hmm. and that'll be that'll be the jam. I'm the exact um, same way. So, so you know, you understand what I'm saying. I um, do. Got off of a very heavy binge, like heroin addiction binge of Star Wars Squadrons, which <laughs> I highly recommend. I just goddamn love it so much. And even just thinking about it, I'm like, I should go back and. <laughs> You're like, play maybe I'll matches. go play that tonight. Maybe I'll go play that tonight, but I, I really, <laughs> I really shouldn't because I'm playing other things now, uh, including Loop Hero. Are you, we, we chatted about this briefly, maybe at work or something. Other folks in, in our circles were playing it. Have yes. you dabbled in Loop Hero at all? Have you seen it? I have seen it. I was super, so Loop Hero started to cross my radar around the time that I was winding down my God, 200 and some odd like Hades hours or whatever. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I spent so long and that was my itch, right? So I spent so long oh. in that like happy place. And then as I was coming out, Loop Hero was starting to surface and I was like, okay, like what exactly is going on with this game? And one thing I love is when I see games and I can't, explain what i'm looking at like i'm like totally. what like what am i yeah because i'm always piqued by you know that my my interest is like seeing something done that's completely different you know and like is loop hero completely different i mean i don't know i haven't played it i can't say but what it looks like to me is that it's like bits and pieces of different formulas that i really enjoy yes you know it, it, it absolutely is and if i'll say this like if you have if you have put in your 200 hours with Hades, maybe maybe you want to take a break from roguelites because, you know, that's a lot of roguelites, you know, right. uh, and right. this is one. It's it's very different. But, you know, I, I, I feel like I need the palate cleanser uh, occasionally when I go really, really hard For on sure. a game. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the reason why I'm not like, like, I really want to play Persona 5 Strikers and I'm still thinking about sure. it, but like I'm kind of having that like let me chill and not be like, like crack addicted to a game for like a minute, <laughs> for, like you know? a minute for, for one minute. And then, <laughs> and then I'll just put, get back to it. But that, and then we'll know, get, we'll get back into that crack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> correct. Uh, yeah. Uh, first of all, like, uh, tr- you know, it's devolver is the publisher, uh, and they, t- you know, whatever tweeted a trailer or whatever. And I was like, okay, 
this like very dark gothic pixel art aesthetic and right. the trail like and this very 8-bit nes style music and just that alone was like mesmerizing i was like yes totally i don't even know like like you said not really sure what this game is okay vaguely like run based whatever uh need this need it uh, because it looks so cool and you know devolver really doesn't put out shit they're they're always putting out good stuff yep um and and then people were like, oh yeah, it's a deck builder. It's a deck builder roguelite. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been playing Magic, and I, I like the idea of deck building. Whatever. It's really not that. It's it's not that at all. It is it is a run based roguelite where you are rebuilding the world as you do each run. And nice. there's and there's a there's a loose story where there's like this evil lich has has vaporized the world and you somehow are still alive and you're encountering characters and people but the world is sort of uh uh amorphous it's sort of uh, in darkness and you are rebuilding the world by playing these cards and they're not really uh, they, I guess they're cards but your hero, your character goes around in a loop automatically uh, wow. over and over again. You start at a campsite, you go around the loop and you encounter slimes and spiders and whatever. And um, the battles are fought automatically. So that was the other thing that people kept oh. saying, like, oh, it's an idle, it's an idle battler. And it is, but it's also definitely not. So your character encounters a slime, it automatically fights. And you can pause the action to decide, hey, you know, the last slime dropped a new armor and it has slightly more hit points. So I'm going to add that armor. I'm going to change my weapon or and then the battle will automatically take place and then and then the loop continues. And then you can pause the loop at any time to play one of the cards that randomly drops. So you have a deck of cards that, you know, have the potential to drop and then it drops mountains, meadows, uh, uh, villages, whatever. And you start placing these on the board and they uh, they they fill in the landscape. They dot the landscape around you, which isn't it looks pretty, but creating the landscape isn't really that important. It's more about when I place a mountain, it increases the maximum hit points of my character. When I place a meadow, it uh, it increases the amount of hit points I get back at the beginning of each day. So there's two like time-based mechanics. One is each loop, you 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 rest at the campsite and you get hit points back and you replenish. Okay. And then each day, which ticks by in quote unquote real time, uh, not real time, like a real day, but like a, a you know, an actual amount of time, uh, you then replenish, then, then something happens. So like a spider will spawn a- at each day or you'll regain hit points after each day or whatever. And so you're placing the cards on the map to recreate the world around the loop, but you're placing them strategically because if you put the mountain and the meadow side by side, the meadow becomes a blooming meadow, which makes you gain three hit points each day instead of two. Wow. And what starts to happen is the loop goes around and around, but the monsters get stronger on each loop. So you are trying to keep your health regen and your stats and your gear slightly ahead of the monsters so that you don't die. If And you're collecting resources as you go around the loop. Here's where it actually starts scratching the itch for me. You're, you're collecting resources as you go around the loop. If you die on the loop, you forfeit most of the resources. You take 30% back. If you make it to the camp uh, one more time around the loop, you can say, 
I'm out of here. This is getting too crazy. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to go around again because I want more stone. I want more wood. I want more orbs or whatever you're trying to collect. Wow. When you take the resources back, you are building your camp uh, in order to have more successful runs. So the camp has, you know, a farm where you're generating more food. Uh, you're, you have a potion, uh, a healer hut or whatever, where you can then on your next run, you can take healing flasks, which gets, gives you a little bit more of an edge on the next run. Then there are boss mechanics where as you place cards, you face bosses in those runs. And then if you, if you beat the bosses, you can graduate to the next level. And there is a there is there are more layers of progression on top of that. But is that anywhere near as like absolutely addictive as it sounds? It is super addictive because for all the reasons you would expect, but it's also really cool because you can set it there okay, there's two two additional important things that I want to mention. If, because the battles ha- happen automatically, if you're looking at the board and you're like, all right, this is just a slime and a spider and a rat, like I can handle these, but I know my character is in good shape because of all the gear that they have. You can just hit go and walk away from your computer and wash a dish and you'll go around the loop because you know what's up. And in that way, it becomes a bit of an idle game. However, if you're if it's really intense and you don't know what's going to happen next, you are pausing every second because you're like, oh, I just got an I just got a sword. And this sword has slightly higher vampirism, which is going to steal health, but it has lower damage. But then this ring has has damage to all enemies. So maybe I'm going to destroy the enemies faster if I hit them at the, all at the same time, or should I suck life away from them? So you have to like stop the action constantly to tweak your stats, because if you don't, you're fucked, and you're going to lose all the resources that you have been grinding for for the last 15, 20 minutes. Wow. And so it becomes, there, there is, there, it seems like a idle deck building whatever until you really get into it and you're like this is a highly tactical game that i can't you can't walk away from because you're going to walk away and then come back and you're dead and you're like shit i don't even know what happened because <laughs> i'm back at the camp wow and uh and it's beautiful and the music's great and uh, uh yeah I'm, there was something else i was gonna say about it but i, I really it's hard to explain without seeing it there, it really does not fall into any genre. It is, you know, it is a roguelite, but it's not a deck builder. It's not an idle game. Uh, it's its own game, like totally invents its own. It really, thing. it really does. And like that you said, piques my interest big time. It really you, does. You, you hit it on the head. It it pulls in all the good things from all the genres we love and mixes them together in a way that is weird. Oh, here's the other thing. And and tell, I'm sure you've experienced this, especially because you're you know you were saying earlier of like oh I'm drooling I can't wait to get my hands on this Diablo three or whatever the game was. You know how when you're playing a complex game, the day, the day it comes out, there's no wiki yet. Yes. There's no guides. So there was this beautiful week where people, the whole internet was like, oh my god, this game is so crazy. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. Do you know what's happening? Do, and people were like, oh, what if you do this? What if you do this? And here, here's what I, what I didn't understand at first. Um, 
and this is not spoilers if you're if you're this is actually kind of a beginner's tip i guess mm-hmm. if you are are about to embark on this game is that you think you get cards and you're like okay i gotta play my cards why would i play a spider or a vampire card and put enemies on the map to make the run harder for myself wouldn't i not want to do that and right. it didn't make sense because you're like well i have these cards what and it took a bit of playing and interneting to understand that like no you should only make the loop harder when you want it to be harder really what you're trying to do is optimize your hero to be slightly ahead of the monster curve you don't want to dominate i mean you kind of do want to dominate but the reason you'd put an enemy obstacle in your way is because a it synergizes with another card to ultimately be better in the end or you need stronger enemies on the map so that you they will drop better gear so that as the difficulty ramps up, you're not stuck with low-level gear. So you actually, you're, you're purposely throwing obstacles in your own way, but not too many because like the cards start adding up and then think like you can, you're building mountains in the landscape to give yourself more health. But if you build too many mountains, goblin camps start appearing and the goblins fucking suck. They will fuck you up. And then you build mountains together and it creates a harpy nest and the harpy once per day, as I was saying, those day cycles will fly down from the mountains and become an enemy on the map. So like you want the health because you need the health, but by gaining health, you're also adding more complexity to the map, which then makes the loops harder. And so, like I said, Loop three, loop five, loop 10, you can't walk away because the map is going crazy and you need to manage your shit. And that's why that's where this game gets very deep. And I recommend it highly. It's a wonderful game. I have to say that, like, even though I've heard you explain what it is and how it works, (laughs) I still feel like I will not be able to understand until I am. You really can't. You really no, can't. But that's so cool. Like I, I like that. And like I am more likely to try out something like that, even though like, you know, watching the trailers are, but I've been like, I don't know how I feel. I'm fascinated on one end, but on the other end, I'm not like, yeah, give it to me right now. But I think just, just as a person who's played so many genres of games over such a long period of time, I feel like if something is that unusual, I want to play it just to experience what that's like. And you will recognize everything in it, you will recognize all the, the building blocks mm-hmm. in there immediately, and then you will love uh, how they are stitched together. Even if you bounce off the game and say like, oh, cool, I, you, I appreciate what they're doing and maybe it's not for me, but you will stand back and say, there's, there's really nothing like this uh, around right now. Uh, I love that. P.S. It'll run on a toaster. It's literally, the, it's 8-bit <laughs> graphics. You can play it on anything. And pro tip, and I don't know if you've done any of this uh, in your new PC setup, but uh, Steam streaming or game streaming through NVIDIA or through Steam uh, uh, Steam Link uh, app or software, like the the game is so simple. The game is like two mouse buttons. Like you could hit you hit spacebar and pause, it. and then you unpause, and then you click on stuff. So what I figured out was like on a phone or a tablet, you can emulate a mouse cursor using the Steam Link app. So now. I play the game. I play this PC. It's PC only. I mean, God, it needs to come to Switch because it's a perfect Switch. Yeah, I was game. about to say it's not on Switch. That surprises me. No, if it was on Switch, there there would be no reason not to play this. But like, 
what it what stinks about it is like I have to boot up my desktop computer. You can play it on a laptop, but like uh, I got to boot up my desktop computer to play this eight bit game that will literally run in a window. Um, but no, I can then stream it from my desktop to a tablet or even my phone. And if you don't mind squinting at the at the the text <laughs> a little bit, it plays like a mobile game. And then I'm on the couch, I'm in bed uh, playing Loop Hero, and it's and and there's no action. You don't it does if you get a little blip in the stream. It's not like you're playing you know Horizon or whatever. Like you're you're just watching a pixel guy run around a, a track. Like great. <laughs> Great. I don't have I don't need great internet to play that. It's it's beautiful. It's right. Yeah, that's yeah, I'm gonna have to okay. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try it. We're gonna have to reconvene on this. Do <laughs> fire it up. Tell me what you think. Yeah. I think I the will. devs are adding some quality of they're adding a few tweaks and updates, quality of life stuff. And I I'm nowhere near finished with it. I there's I'm in early stages. I'm only on the second chapter, which is like the second boss. The boss the boss fight is its own whole mechanical thing that is very wow. fascinating and and well we can talk about that when you when you dive in but yes, uh, it's great for sure it's great well i i'd be surprised if you were like yes and also i'm playing but i also know you are playing other stuff which impresses me so please do go on well uh, so we we have our list here and in, in in the interest of time i will share something that uh i would be curious to get your take on as well perhaps you've had these kinds of experiences i don't know where i found it cruising some vr subreddits or whatever uh but and and i I acquired VR for games. Like I wanted to play Star Wars Squadrons in VR, which when it did finally work is I am inside Star Wars. I am in, I am in an X-Wing for real. And it's the coolest. It's happening. This rules. It's happening. Um, (laughs) And that is why I bought VR. And I really never thought I'd be like, I want to swim with whales or I want to look at the Mona Lisa or whatever. Like I, that just didn't appeal to me. Um, Like I get it. But then, I, but I was dabbling with Google Earth VR, and I was oh, looking so at fun. other uh, like art programs in VR, and I, I was just like, okay, there's so much more going on here. And I, I was reading somebody's recommendation of like, hey, 50 VR experiences that are not games. So I was like, all right, all right, and came across this uh, Steam uh, title called "The Museum of Other Realities." Uh, before I go on, are you familiar with this at all? Have you seen no, this? No, I'm not. And I actually, I I intended to look some things up before our chat, and I did. I did look up Lupiro, but I did not look up Museum of, of Other Realities, so I know nothing. I will I'll give you the TLDR. As we know museum uh there are other vr experiences that are like we scanned versailles with photogrammetry and you can walk around versailles and it's very detailed and and that is very cool and i think if it if you can act if you can bring access to a, a beautiful place to to more people i think that's uh wonderful this is not that it is a virtual museum with virtual reality art which means Art from a variety of of creators, uh, a lot of them using Tilt Brush, which I believe is a Google three-dimensional art project where people are painting in three dimensions. And then you walk around this museum and you, and you look at this beautiful three-dimensional painting and you're like, wow, that's a beautiful, amazing painting that someone cool, a cool artist did. And then you can go inside the painting and walk Whoa. around inside the painting. And that is very cool and fun. And then what's more is that there are 
even more interactive um, pieces of art that you know as well as I do. You can't really explain VR to people verbally no. or even with no. uh, a video. Um, but it's like, you know, hey, I'm walking around this museum and I see this like sort of like, I don't know, like a very colorful rainbow bubbly thing of like particles. There's just something moving over there. And I walk up to it in VR and it turns out it's like this big swirling thing of, of I can't describe them any other way, like rainbow particles that are pulsating with light and you touch them with your hand in vr and they like they fly all over the place but they have gravity so they kind of snap back together and all of a sudden you're playing with this reactive colorful beautiful um yeah just like mishmash of i can't even think of there's no analogy in the real world because physics doesn't act like this right you're just playing with this toy in a museum and then uh you go into another room and you're like oh there's like all these all these like flying like you know uh you know in journey where there's like the flying there's like creatures that are made of um they look like they're made of fabric or silk yes. you know yes i love and them. you're in when you're playing journey and and you and all these like beautiful creatures and the music swelling it kind of looks like that but you're in a room and then there's a little um, icon on the floor and it says voice reactive. And here's, here's another cool thing. Um, because your mic is on in your headset, um, your audio is, is, is in the, is, is being not recorded, but is being, you know, you can hear yourself, but then they add an echo to it. So like, you know, when you're in a big museum and you're like talking to your friend or your spouse or whatever, and there's an echo on your voice because you're in a large space. Right. It's creating that. And that sounds so simple, but like you put on a VR headset and you're in this giant virtual museum, this room, and your voice is echoing and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm, re I'm here. I'm really here. So I'm wow. in this room with all these fabric creatures flying around and the plates, this little um, moniker says... Um, voice reactive i'm like okay and so i go uh and all of a sudden these these black and red like things that are flying around suddenly light up rainbow colors and all of a sudden this like these these creatures that are swirling around you are reacting to your voice so you can sing you can shout you can talk and and the art that you're experiencing is changing because you are speaking to it and then you climb up the stairs and there's this giant amoeba that's like pulsating and there is both like the weirdest craziest psychedelic crazy shit you could imagine and then just like beautiful stuff it's like you 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 put your head inside of a tube and then all of a sudden you're hearing other people's conversations I, I, it's it's really it's it's like uh, if if you could go inside of avant-garde art and I, and again i am not a really a super duper museum person i'm not mm -hmm. an avant-garde person um there's one and I, I feel like I'm spoiling a lot of this stuff, but, but it's, it's really not because you can't you can't truly uh, get your head around it until you're in it. But it's a giant painting. It's a giant canvas. And then you go inside the canvas, different from the 3D uh, paintings. It's It's almost like a 2D painting. You go inside it and then you fly around in it. 
and you fly around for like infinitely like you and and so you press whatever the buttons are the triggers on the uh the vr knuckles um and you can got you can kind of like float like almost like a jetpack and you're just flying through this psychedelic painting for as long as you want and i think i said this to you the other day um you know off the podcast like it was i want to go away like i want to go we can't really go anywhere yet right now in the real world so i want to leave my house and go somewhere and then come back to my house and so flying around in a psychedelic painting (laughs) for 30 minutes and then you take off the headset and you're like yeah yeah i was just gone And now I'm back home again. See, and this and sounds is- so much more fantastic than like my first VR experiences of that like type. Like we, <laughs> okay. okay. So the first VR headset that we owned was the um, PlayStation VR. Yes. And okay. there was something on it that was called Everywhere VR. And it was the simplest thing. So what it was, was that someone took a GoPro and went to all these like, <laughs> beautiful locations and they're all over Asia, you yeah. know? And I'm a huge fan of Asia in general. So like, you know, I'm going through like places in China and like, uh, you know, seeing a part of Hong Kong and then seeing a part of Japan. And then I'm in Indonesia and like it. But what it was, was that it was almost like going through a series of like living photos, I guess is a yes, good way to put uh, it. It is exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Yep. And it, it was it, I think it, I feel like, oh, yeah, it was free. But. Yep. If you wanted to download like packs for it to go more places, you could. Um, And so like, yeah, you would put your headset on and like, you know, click and you'd be like, and then, you know, a voice would be like, you know, you're now on, you know, the beach here or you're now here. And it just had this very calm music. And I mean, it's the simplest of things. Right. But like we were both obsessed with it because Mm. this was actually before quarantine. So, you know, like none of this was happening, but we just was, we're like, this is so cool because even though we know that VR is going to get sharper and better, and even though we know that there'll be more complex experiences, you know, standing in a field of lavender, like in the middle, it just goes as far as the eye can see you know, I want to have that experience and I might not be able to have it in real life right this second, but like it was there in VR. And like, it gave me like really good chills, even though it wasn't real, real, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And I only imagine like, what will it be like even five years from now when it's in the crispest of, of HD and it's like, we're really there. Well, and this is, I'm really fascinated I don't I I don't I I don't want to say the word let down but when you try to play a game or have one of those experiences that are, are that are trying to emulate the real world or high fidelity graphics in VR unless you're running at like 90 frames a second and the resolution is super crisp it's going to be like I'm in a blurry photograph and yep. that's okay that's fine and that's that has its enjoyment factor but you know you're in a blurry photograph and then you play stylized games like you uh i i'm eager to talk more about pistol whip and your uh, enjoyment of it on a future episode sure but you play stylized games like that or um uh, oh my god why am i blanking the one uh um where the uh, super hot super hot vr and then going into this museum it made me it it 
it added a dimension to art that is completely new. And by that, I mean like, hey, we're going to a virtual reality museum to look at a high fidelity scan of a painting. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm still looking at a I'm looking at a painting and it's very cool that it looks like the Mona Lisa and I feel like I'm really there, but it's still, it's still art that we understand as traditional art. Whereas this museum is like, did you know artists could make sound reactive art or art you can like touch that or that I can float through a painting instead of look at a painting? Like, I guess what I... Yeah. <laughs> what what I realized recently was like, hey, remember remember when um we were kids and it was like if you wanted to get information, you look in the encyclopedia. And then Encarta, the interactive encyclopedia, mm-hmm. came on a CD-ROM and all of a sudden you could like look up a bird species and then you could hear the bird and look at a picture of the bird and it's like, wow, you put the pictures from an encyclopedia on a computer screen at a shittier resolution. (laughs) Wow. And now we look back on that and that is so dumb compared to what the internet actually became, which is this very complex, sophisticated tool for communications and entertainment. And we use it in all these very deep, sophisticated ways. And I'm, and then I'm standing in this virtual museum and I'm like, this is the beginning of a completely new art form. And and we tend to think of it as like, oh, what are the cool games? But like, I, I imagine if I could, this is so stupid, but like, I'm not going to take LSD, but mm-hmm. I could take an LSD trip in VR and, and understand what that is. Right. Without necessarily risking compromising risking your, your life. body. Yeah. <laughs> That is that is something I I never thought of before. Yeah, I didn't either. And it's and rad. So quick, very very quick VR detour. So um, when I was eighteen, um, you know, I found this shop. I don't know what else I would call it that was in the <laughs> French Quarter, and it was there for a few years. Um, but it was a shop that was trying to kind of get some traction, I guess, in the VR space because the VR space did exist in. God, I don't know, 1996, 1997, something right. like that. Anyway, yeah. so this chain of stores was was trying to come up called Cybermind. Hmm. And they would let you pay a price to go in and stand in this like huge device, all right, where like it was like a it was like a a plastic um not plastic metal like circle about the side. It would just, you know, hold one person and they'd open this little gate and you would go in and they close it. And then they would give you a headset that probably weighed like 30 pounds. (laughs) Like it was huge. And then you'd go in and you'd play this incredibly like rudimentary games that were just, I can't even really remember them that well. They were games though. They were not just sort of look at this speech or whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, they 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 definitely were actual games, but not very well formed games, mm-hmm. you know, like table um, tennis or some something like that. Some uh, stuff well, like no, that. it wasn't table tennis. There was one where you shot stuff. Yeah. I know that. Of course. Of course. Um but yeah, they were they were a virtual reality entertainment company that was trying to make that happen such a long mm. time ago, and the technology was just so rough. Uh, but like they were still doing it, and at that time it was still nothing 
you know, nothing else was quite like it, but like, yeah, I'm going to send, I just like quickly typed it into a a browser and I'm going to send you a picture of the virtual reality helmet. And I hope you are ready to laugh. I cannot wait. And I also, (laughs) I'm, I just get, I'm excited to know that like people were trying back then and the technology existed because I don't know. I think we think of, of this kind of, we, we think of tech in general as like, is it in my home? Is it on my TV? Is it in my phone? Well, if, okay, it's not quite ready yet, but like, I don't, I was thinking about this recently. Arcade video games were awesome and yeah. graphically fidel- fidelity wise and animation wise and frame rate wise, sprite wise were way ahead of home consoles like nintendo sucked compared to what arcade games looked like because in an arcade you had the space to have a giant you know person-sized computer computer playing ninja turtles you know you couldn't have that in your home their compromises had to be made so like i am simultaneously surprised that there was a virtual virtual reality store in 1996 but also like yeah if you had the space you could you could set that up and and that was very cool p.s why did you get all why did you get that in new orleans and and we did not have that in in new york like i I never lived in new york city proper but (laughs) what's going on i feel like as a teenager i was always like this band doesn't come here. I don't get to see this, you know, Broadway show or this band or whatever. And now as an adult, I reflect back and I'm like, Oh my God. Like, like I, I got to like actually like experience virtual reality in a time period when it was like, that's anyway, I, I could go on and on. Right. It's really, really funny. But, um, Cybermind was a San Francisco based company. Um, and that is actually where the first, they called it a high tech entertainment center. <laughs> um, and that is where the first one opened. So of course now I'm going to go deep, deep into an internet hole and read everything I can about Cybermind. Um, and also from a <laughs> preservation standpoint, like where are those games? Can they be run or emulated on current uh, VR system? Like, uh, you know, I yeah, would be that to would know. be a really good question. I mean, just to see anything from them, like, um, I do remember, so there was this one game where you were just like a guy trying to shoot things. I don't remember what they were. It was too long ago. And then the other game was called Magball, I think. Mm. And I think it mm-hmm. was like playing like uh, like a virtual hockey game, I think. Um, once again, I, I'm going to go into an internet hole and try to find all this talking about wrapping it back to the beginning of this conversation and and perhaps we can we can wrap it up uh around here but the maturity of the art form because when video games began taking shape it was like hey you could play tennis or baseball on your tv and it's like well i don't why it took a decade for the for the market and the and the art form to be like oh wait a minute we don't have to emulate sports that exist we can have a plumber jumping on a turtles like that could be the form <laughs> instead of like ping pong like it doesn't have so of course when v when early vr comes out on the scene it's like hey you could shoot stuff that's what everyone wants to do but now we are walking around museums and 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 we of course we're still shooting stuff but 
there's just it is it took it takes time for people to go from like hey ping pong well now video games that talk about the trauma traumatic events and cancer and right you know post-apocalyptic right. scenario whatever whatever your story is or whatever your game mechanic is it it's a maturity of the form and it, we're in baby times you know we're in the beginning still here which right. is and both I think terrifying about that all the and time. exciting all yeah. the time like i think about you know when i think about vr i kid you not i think about the holodeck that's what i think about i'm yeah. like the star wars nerd in me is like this is the beginning of the holodeck yeah. and like that is incredibly incredibly exciting to me um yep. because i know that you know in the next 10 to 20 years that i'm going to see that turn into something else the same way that the gigantic Cybermind headset turned into the what two pound oculus quest 2 i wear today which which will become uh, contact lenses uh within our lifetime yes mm, sure enough, yes and actually when i wrote my first novel which was a sci-fi novel one of the things that happened in it was that and you know this is not particularly unique right but like i did write it um <laughs> that that yeah your contact lens that the internet the version of the internet that's in the novel it's built into there you know you're yeah. you're you're blinking and you know the the power coming on is is the opening of your iris oh, that is that is certain i often say the way our parents ridicule social media or phones or whatever the tech is um, not that our parents don't use phones, of course they do, but um, that generational divide, where like ah, I don't get this, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Th- for us, um, our children will want to put computer chips in their brains, mm-hmm. and we will say, okay, we love tech and we love connected and we love, we want, but like, ooh, that that feels weird and skeevy. And our kids will be like. Well, literally everyone's do- like, that's what we do now. Yep. Because, and, and look how much more efficient I am as a student, as an employee, as a whatever. I, I, the, like, imagine if, imagine if you were trying to get a job and you were like, I don't really use the internet. You'd be laughed out of the room. Right. And that is what our children will experience if they do not have computer chips or contact lenses, connected lenses in their, in their, in their bodies. I know it's an absolutely crazy thought, but you know, I always fear like the, the day, right. When like, you know, I suddenly go like, what? Like, that's, you know, like, why would I do that? Or like, that's, that's just too weird. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm old. Yeah. Well, that it's, we're, we're, we're getting there. We're, we're almost there. It's, 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 it's upon (laughs) us. I don't want to be there. (laughs) It's upon us. Oh, last question. And then perhaps we'll head to a wrap here, but, um, the, oh, the other point I wanted to make about the museum was that it you can go in there alone uh, and just in, enjoy the art, which is what I did. But you can also go into the social version where you can see other people walking around the museum. And if you see them, you can't, I don't think you can hear them or interact with them. But if you like tag them and they accept your request, you can then walk through the museum with them and like chit chat with them as they're in, as you're experiencing the art together, which at first I was scared of it because I, you know, I don't know. I just, I'm very, I don't know why that is a barrier to me. Like speaking on with my voice to strangers. Cause I I don't don't want to talk to anybody ever. Same. Um, but then I'm like, but that would be so cool. And then I'm like, 
I'm scared to do VR chat, but I'm also really want to do VR chat. And I am. So my question for you is like, are you a VR chat person? Do you have any interest in doing that? No, (laughs) none at all. I have zero interest in doing that unless I am engaged with people I already know. Um, I absolutely refuse to play with people I don't know in almost any circumstance. And one of the reasons why, which I mean, we could have a whole discussion about this and we're not going to, is that the minute that I open my mouth and someone hears I'm a girl, the likelihood of some sort of verbal abuse yeah. goes up by like 800%. Sure, so, sure. you know, and some women would be like, well, fuck that. I'm going to do it anyway. And for me, I'm like, no, man, I just don't want any of that kind of shit in my life in any way. Like, so. 110% and my. My two hopes are hopefully that's getting better. I think it is, but it's not anywhere near, you know, fixed. Uh, But secondly, like, okay, maybe if you're playing like Call of Duty, modern shooting, whatever, I would expect some of that. But hopefully if you're walking around a museum or walking around a beach in VR chat or whatever, from what I have observed and understand of those platforms, they are, I don't know. I think there's a good mix of male-female. There might be. And that's a really good point. Like, you know, to, to actually connect back to what we were saying about Twitch in the beginning of the conversation, you know, if there was a space in VR that had the kind of, you know, wholesomeness or warmth or welcoming, uh, vibe that some of the Twitch areas I go to do, then I would go, you know, because I mean, to me, right. And this is interesting. Like Twitch was a quote unquote safer place to go because I could just lurk and watch what other people were doing for a while. Right. Right. And then when I realized Which, that it was welcoming, it was like, okay, I, 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 I can interact here. That's my fear. I don't know how to lurk in a VR chat situation because I like, you, I guess you could mute yourself. But if someone like walks up to you and is like, hey, how are you doing? Like, it, it's kind of rude to not like <laughs> respond. Like, I don't know the etiquette. But, but to your point, there absolutely are uh, those places uh, because... I've seen them in in the media and in the world, and also like on the other show that that we do at work, we found a, a community of volunteers who create sign language for deaf people uh, or non hearing people in VR. Meaning, what we learned was, as you know, depending on your headset and the and the 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 what do you call them i call them knuckles but uh, the the motion trackers the hand trackers Mm -hmm. some are can create a lot of articulation you can move your fingers and create sign language very in a very precise way and some of them are super clunky and you cannot do that so what we found was that sign language is actually evolving and taking shape in new ways because vr is different from regular life yeah and there are tons of super wholesome awesome people who are bridging the gap between hearing and non-hearing people so that non-hearing people can enjoy vr chat the way hearing people can and um and we were like holy, holy shit. shit what a great world what a great internet uh and gaming vr world we have come upon here you know it's it's good shit it's exciting. I mean, you know, I know that it's extremely trendy to say that like, oh my God, the world is a dumpster fire right now. And in many ways it is, but I think that there are always absolutely amazing, magical things happening all around us all the time, not just tech, but like, yeah, just this conversation is like the amount of hope and excitement for what we've seen and like what's coming and how those two things like stand next to each other. I think it's, it's really great. 
So yep. it puts Fully a smile agree. on my face big time. Well, on that uplifting note, let's <laughs> get out of here. Uh, before we go, plugs, uh, where can people find you on the internet? What are you doing? What are you working on? What are you streaming? What's coming up? Uh, so I, of course, I'm on, you know, every social media platform. Um, although the ones that I use the most frequently are Instagram and I mean, I guess Twitch is a social media. I don't know. I don't know if Twitch would fall under that. I guess so. Right. So, um, my, my most active platform right now is probably Twitch. And I just started streaming a couple months ago, as we talked about earlier. Um, you can find my stream at twitch.tv forward slash hello Coco B. And I do horror streams on Mondays and lettering on Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Sometimes I might be in a really creative mood that week and just do two lettering streams or, you know, maybe I skip, uh, you know, lettering and do two horror streams, but for the most part, it's just kind of like me feeling out what I'm in the mood for. So right now I'm doing, um, the silent Hill Two remake on Mondays. Mm. And then tomorrow I am going to do a cool tutorial to show you how to, um, use lettering skills to make your envelopes really pretty. So that's going to be fun for me tomorrow. And then for my other social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram are both Colette Bennett, all one word. So I'm sure we can put this in the show notes, but uh, uh, all yeah. of it in the so show notes. Yep. That's what's up with me. What about you? I'm ex- I have not, uh, I've enjoyed the horror streams and I'm glad you're playing Silent Hill because we, you know, you talked about it at length here. So I'm looking forward to seeing it in action. Um, I've not, I've not been able to catch the lettering streams yet. So I'm, I'm looking forward to checking out those as well, especially the envelope ones. I think it'll be fun. I really do. It's, it's stuff that I never, like, I always thought of this kind of lettering as like stuff that like, I don't know, like middle-aged moms got into for fun. And then they like, you know, sold their designs to Michaels or something. And like, yeah, some of them do, but like, I don't know, man, it's just, I just really enjoy it. And it's like a fun world for me. So, and I continue branching out into other things like, oh, I'm going to learn watercolor and then I'm going to go do this or, oh, maybe I'll learn how to paint a galaxy or whatever. So I don't know. It's like, I'm having some sort of like creative explosion right now and I'm digging it. Which is, uh, you know, there has been much written about how um, even though we're stuck at home with nothing to do, we should be doing all these creative things. We should be letting loose. And yet finding the inspiration to do anything has been uh, a struggle, certainly for me. Yeah, it's tough. So I'm definitely holding fast to this one. I'm like, you know what? I don't even care if in two years from now I'm selling my lettering art to Michaels. I'm like, that's fine. I mean, well, hey, if you're getting paid, then that's uh, (laughs) not a bad deal. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me, uh, occasionally on Twitter, Matt underscore Silverman. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel with my children, my aforementioned children. And it's uh, the do, cutest. Thank you very much. Uh, we do music videos. We do some gaming stuff. As I was saying, we, you know, introducing my kids to, uh, old games. Uh, my daughter played the Oregon trail and asked if there was any like healing potions, uh, to craft. And I was like, no, no, this <laughs> nope. is a hardcore game with permadeath. Get buckle up. Were okay. you like, you see, my dear, this actually really <laughs> happened and everyone <laughs> fucking is, died. This is, this is real life. So, uh, yeah, there's a fun video about that. Um, we recently uh, played Quest for Glory, uh, the original EGA version, uh, and I showed that to my daughter. And then we got to meet the developers, uh, Lori and Corey Cole, which was really a thrill for me because those games are very important to me. Uh, so, so my daughter, eight years old, got to interview these game developers who are just legends in their 
uh, field. Uh, and that was really exciting. So this is all, all at free dad videos on YouTube. You can Google that or, uh, youtube.com slash free dad videos. And, uh, yeah, we do a podcast at work, uh, at the daily dot called two girls, one podcast, which is all about internet culture and communities, including, some gaming and VR stuff that we, that I touched on. Uh, we, we, we found, uh, sex workers in second life, uh, who have a brothel wow. in second life. It's PS second life still going strong. Second lots life. of, Man, lots of folks, uh, kicking around in there doing amazing things. So, uh, yeah, if you're interested in that sort of stuff, uh, you can check out two girls, one podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, that has been, this has been, Colette and Matt have entered the chat, our maiden voyage. Uh, I'm thrilled about this. Uh, if you are listening in your favorite podcast app, uh, rate the show, leave a review, uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, not every platform has this, but if your platform does, uh, please leave a rating or a review if you enjoyed it, because that's going to help other people find the show, help it grow. Uh, thank you for chatting with us. Our theme music is by Azure Flux. Our logo is illustrated by just call me katarina on instagram she is fantastic uh also designed by me and please tell us what games you are playing because we would like to hear what you're interested in perhaps we're playing them too or have played them or we would just like to know about them our email is have entered the chat at gmail.com have entered the chat all one word at gmail.com we would love to hear your thoughts on games or the show Please be sure to rate and review, and thanks for chatting. We will see you next time.